They took care of us and raised us, and now they need our help. What are some things to consider when we need to prep for our older parents? Hey, this is episode 787 of the Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you prepare for a better future. It's all about loving your people, getting prepared, and living free. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, a regular guy living in the suburbs who understands the need to be better prepared for the future. Are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top preparedness articles from around the internet, sent to you weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top preparedness articles is in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode. I'm so glad that you're hanging out with me on this one. Hey, just a quick review from Traveling Tea, and this one's left on Apple podcast, but it's on the Canadian version. So it took me a little while to see this one, but, uh, traveling T said practical and to the point, just listen to the podcast on how to predict the weather without our usual apps, etc. Well-researched and great info. Thanks so much for always bringing useful information to my attention and teaching me on a wide variety of topics related to preparedness. Thank you. Traveling T on that one for leaving that five-star review. Guys, I greatly appreciate it when you do that, and uh, just want to say thank you on that one. I also want to give a big shout-out and a thanks to an anonymous person that gave five coffees over at Buy Me a Coffee, bought me five coffees. I've uh, drinking a lot of coffee nowadays, I guess, and uh, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. And uh, you can go hang out or go check out Buy Me a Coffee. I post things there sometimes just random pictures and and other things but that's where you also get the top preparedness articles all right so uh, this article that we're going to look at today is called more about elder care and it's coming to us on survivalblog.com i linked to this one on uh, the saturday prep and got some feedback from people i mean email emailing me and to be honest when i start looking at like the surveys that I've done and I ask people like, how old are you? You know, give me a range. Even when I look at the demographic information that like YouTube shows me in doing the YouTube videos that I do, a lot of people that follow preparedness or at least follow me that I've seen over the years. And this is like over all the years from, you know, being on prepper website is they're all older. So like, you know, being, you know, in the 40s and then 50s, I mean, people were usually always older than me. There's a big percentage that are in their 60s and probably a, the bigger percentage of everybody really in their 50s and 60s and even older uh, preppers out there. And so as we are prepping and we are getting up in age ourselves, we also have parents who are up in age. Now, there's a great benefit when our parents are, you know, they believe in preparedness and and all that, but sometimes they don't. And as a result, what do we do about that? Now, I know, and I've talked about different people in the past that say, you know, uh, I've talked to my parents or I've talked to my family about preparedness and they don't care about it. And so when it all hits the fan, you know, don't come to my house, but most of us aren't going to do that. Think about your own kids, your grand, you know, your own grandkids and, uh, you know, telling you, hey, we can't let, you know, a great grandpa or great grandma or, or grandma or grandpa, you know, we can't leave them out in the cold. And so thinking about that and preparing for that is really something that, you know, we talk about preparing for other people, but when you throw older or elder parents into the, to the mix, seasoned 
preppers or see or sorry i'm sorry our seasoned parents into the mix that takes preparedness up to a whole nother level you're not just preparing for another mouth there's a whole lot of other things that you need to consider and a while back when i owned prepper website i wrote an article about this and there was it, it was one of the mo more popular articles on prepper website i mean it got a lot of attention and people thanked me for that one and i i think i've read that one on the podcast before if i did it's been a, it's been a while because i wrote it a long time ago but when this one came up and then the feedback that i got from people reading the saturday prep I'm like, okay, maybe we need to talk about this a little bit more. So this article, again, is really, it's the story of, uh, you know, someone who's, whose parent went into the hospital and this, you know, this bad experience that they had. But that caused, you know, people to start thinking about their parents and then caused me to start thinking about it a little bit more. So I'm going to read this article here and talk a little bit about it as we go uh, along the way. But then I'm going to just talk about some ways that we can help prepare for our elderly parents and things that we can do that, uh, that, you know, that would help and, and, and give us options because ultimately that's what happens, right? When we get prepared for whatever, and let's just not think about parents right now, but let's just talk about our own preparedness. When we prepare, it gives us options when we get on the other side of whatever emergency it is. And so if we can prep for our parents, our elderly parents, whatever situation they might find themselves in or whatever situation we might all of us find ourselves in, then we have even more options there. Um, because you might be thinking, I'm going to bug out. I'm going to go out to the wilderness. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to leave, you know, I'm going to walk to my bug out location. But if you have an elderly parent along the way who is not in good health, you're not doing that. So we really need to consider this and, and put a little bit of thought to it, especially if you have an elderly parent somewhere that lives near you and you're going you're gonna to be responsible for that person, right? Or you don't have it in your heart just to leave them alone and, and, and let them be, you know, leave them and, and, and go off. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about this again, coming to us from survivalblog.com. The title of the article is more about elder care. So let's go ahead and jump into this. And like I said, I might uh, have some comments as we go, but then I have some things to talk about on the back end of this. When I completed my first article about mom's health emergency, she was progressing fine and on the road back to good health. Two days after submitting the article to survival blog, my mom crashed hard. One of her neighbors texted me and left a voicemail. We were out walking the dogs. And when I saw the text and heard the message, my heart sank. Mom went to the hospital with breathing issues and pain by ambulance. I waited a bit and called the emergency room and was able to speak with the nurse who assured me mom was stable and now comfortable and tests were being performed. She also said mom told me not to come down to New Jersey. Mom was admitted with congestive heart failure and blood clots in both legs. Not good, but the overall prognosis was encouraging. Lesson learned. Keep praying. I can't let myself relax too much and think everything is going well. It may be going well today, but believe me, tomorrow can be a totally different story. Mom spent another eight days in the hospital and also developed pneumonia. Her foot was still swollen and sore from falls from the previous health incident. She was convinced by the social service department, a bunch of liberal lefties, that she needed to go to a quote-unquote rehab facility. Her doctors thought it was a fine idea and said she would no, not need more than seven to 10 days of rehab. My husband, 
mom's other half, Bob, a neighbor who is an RN, and I all begged mom to not go to a rehab facility. We assured her that home care nursing and physical therapy could continue at home like she done, like she's done previously. All right, so I just I want to comment on something here, the fact that she developed pneumonia while she was in the hospital. So my sister-in-law's mom during COVID went to had to go to the hospital because she felt and she wasn't in good health and she was using a walker and somehow she she took a wrong step she fell back and she had this nasty gash on her head and, and, and was bleeding really bad so they went to the hospital and this is all during COVID, right so my sister-in-law who is familiar with and she worked in in uh, in metal, medical facilities but she's not a nurse was staying with her well, while she was in the hospital, she got COVID. And because she got COVID, she was her my sister-in-law was not able to stay there. So her mom was there in the hospital and you know, eventually they put her on a breathing machine and it did not look good. I mean, we were praying, people were praying, the whole deal. Uh, she was in communication with the nurses station, but the nurses uh, you know, that some of them just wouldn't respond very well. And at one point they just weren't talking to her partly probably because they were very busy and because she was probably asking a lot of questions because she was very concerned because she is one that realizes that when someone goes into the hospital, they need someone there to help talk to the nurses, to get information, to be an advocate for them because the hospitals aren't always going to make the best decisions there. And so as we'll see as we continue moving forward into this article. And so there was one situation even that she was able to look at her medical records online. They had done a blood test and she saw that she had a bladder infection. So she called the nurse's station and she talked to someone and she said, what are y'all doing for her bladder infection? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And she said, like, I can see on her, on her records, the lab results say that she has a, a bladder infection. And so the nurses didn't even know that. And if it wouldn't have been for, uh, for my sister-in-law, you know, looking up the records and staying proactive on that and just kind of being the squeaky wheel, who knows what, what would have happened. Now she recovered and she, I mean, it didn't look good there for a while. I'm, I'm going to tell you, she was on the breathing machine and it just did not look good, but she did recover and she's, you know, she's at home. She's not in the best of health, but she's at home right now. And so she, you know, she gets around with her walker and all that kind of stuff. And they've taken other precautions uh, with her, but it's one of those things, right? So that was one of the, you know, when I saw that developed pneumonia, it just went back to that. Um, just being very careful when you are there in the hospital, because there's a lot of, uh, there, there's just a lot of evidence and there's a lot of reporting that people go and they get secondary infections. MRSA is really bad in the hospitals and things like that. And so you just got to be really, really careful. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and move on here. So she was doing very well until the congestive heart failure set in. Her confidence was rocked hard. We tried to tell these rehab nursing homes could be hell holes, but she did not, she did not listen. My mother is very intelligent, but unfortunately bases her decisions on her emotions and not facts. This line of thinking is going to cause a great many issues in the near future. Social services gave her a list of places and assured her they were all top flight places. The brochures and websites show clean facilities with happy, smiling patients who all have their hair combed or shaved and in clean clothing. But the reality is much different. 
Lesson learned. Keep praying. Sometimes facts and logic never enter the big picture. Big decisions based on feelings and not on data and facts are not good decisions. And another thing here, um, when you know, talking about the emotions, is when you're in a situation and you are scared and you're thinking about like heart, congestive heart failure and you're thinking, okay, this might be, you know, I need to get some care here or these these might be my last days your emotions are going to be running really, really high. And so, again, you need an advocate there with you, and you need someone helping to make good decisions. And so she was there by herself making these decisions, and family members were just kind of talking on the phone. All right, moving on. Mom was transferred to the rehab facility at 11 p.m. at night. They woke her up, put her in a panel truck with no one riding in the back with her, and put her in a bed at the rehab facility. The people who dropped her off did not say one word to her. She prayed she was in the correct facility the hospital said she was going to. Finally, after several hours, a nurse came and showed her where the call button was. I spoke to mom later the following morning. She was exhausted but already had some physical therapy. The nurses and facility doctors already started laying the groundwork to keep her longer. They said she should expect to be there at least four to six weeks. This after less than 24 hours of being there. A majority of the staff did not even speak English. Communication was coming to a standstill as a result of this. I have had other family members and close friends with relatives in these supposedly rehab facilities, and the experiences are all the same. You have to watch them like a hawk. The rehab nursing home facilities are only interested in making money. There may be a few decent ones there, but they they are all few and far between, and I suspect only really rich people can afford to go to them. These facilities have biweekly meetings with the patient, family members, social workers, and therapists, and try to convince the patient and family that just a few more weeks is needed, and don't you really want your loved one to get well? What that means is your loved one has good insurance, and they will be happy to use up their insurance benefits. It is virtually impossible to leave one of these facilities before they agree you are fit to go home. A close friend of mine recounted her experience. She was in a rehab place following an injury. The neglect was unbelievable. My friend was on her own with no surviving family members. Week after week, they said she needed more physical therapy. She finally was going to sign herself out. The doctor said she was a danger to herself and they refused to let her sign out. I have known this person for decades. She is of sound mind and was feeling and doing well. They kept telling her that her insurance was allowing her to stay longer and to just go with it. Finally, she called the police and they escorted her out of the hellhole. This has been referred to as medical kidnapping. These places prey on older people. It is criminal what they go get away with. So my mom is a very sweet and trusting person who believed this facility had her best interest in mind and wanted to help her. She learned a hard lesson here. Lesson learned, pray more. Many medical facilities, especially post-COVID, are understaffed and lacking supplies and only care about cutting costs and saving money. I have been in healthcare management for four decades and know this to be true. Do whatever you can to stay healthy. COVID has become the excuse for a reset in our standard of living and our healthcare system. I talk to my mom several times a day, doing my best to be an advocate from 550 miles away. Bob was my eyes on the ground and was visiting regularly. One particular night, it was very warm and my mom was having difficulty breathing. She went to put on the oxygen they left for her and it was not hooked up properly. She rang for the nurse and it took over an hour before anyone showed up. They also don't want to deal with anyone going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Everyone gets disposable underwear and no one shows up to get you to the bathroom. 
As of this writing, mom has been there for two weeks and her meals are still not what her physician wants her to be eating. She has also not had a shower once since she has been admitted. Her roommate was coughing constantly so badly that I could always hear it over the phone when I talked with my, with my mom. Her roommate also complained of having constant diarrhea. Mom was also visited by a gentleman who constantly wandered around all night. She was not thrilled to wake up and find him staring at the foot of her bed or standing at the foot of her bed. Lesson learned. These places bear no similarity to the pictures on their website. Night shift generally means virtually no staff and may God help you if you have a serious issue during this time. It is a horrible place for anyone to be. I was notified by mom of the time of meeting with physical therapist, the doctor. This is a fancy title for the head nurse that the head nurse uses and social services. I was listening via phone and Bob was there with mom. He had some questions for the physical therapist, which they answered. Mom started asking why it took eight days to get an ice pack for her foot. And the director started yelling at her. I jumped in and said, excuse me, is there a problem? Because I seem to be picking up some attitude here. Miss Director or Dictator assured me she had no problem with my mom. I then told her to dial down the attitude and start treating my mom with some respect. I reminded her she may have a fancy title, but she is an employee who is now working for my mom since my mom's insurance is paying her salary. My mom said she wanted out by the following week, and I stated I wanted her out by Wednesday. Everyone agreed and would get working on it immediately, all of a sudden. Social Services was also ordering her a wheelchair. Lesson learned. Pray harder. How can someone work in a place like this day after day and allow these atrocities to occur? Everything seemed to be going well until Sunday morning. I called mom after church and she was crying on the phone saying she was very ill and didn't they call you about it? Long story short was that she now had contracted C. diff, an infectious diarrhea with cramps and highly contagious. They also told her you now can't leave for at least two more weeks. The now-gone-sick roommate probably had it. Mom was so miserable she wanted to go back to the hospital. I called the nursing station and was told by some miserable human being that passed for a healthcare worker that she doesn't take orders from me and mom was fine. Between Bob and myself, we got mom calmed down and multiple phone, with multiple phone calls. I called around and checked and C. diff can be handled by home care. I called social services and informed them that this illness is unfortunate, but not something that requires her to stay another two weeks as home care can handle it and that I expected discharge on Wednesday as discussed. Lesson learned. Pray more. These so-called medical professionals will stop at nothing to keep you from leaving. Breaking out of prison has to be easier than getting out of these rehab nursing home facilities. On Monday afternoon, I received a phone call from a medical supply company about the wheelchair order. Here we go again with more nonsense. Medical only covers X amount of the cost and they needed the additional 20% not covered. No problem. How much is it? Well, they can only collect in monthly payments for 13 months of approximately $4.50, $3.90 of which is interest. Are you kidding me? Is everyone on the take? What is happening to the medical care in this country? Lesson learned. Pray, pray, keep praying and expect anything at this point. The wheelchair made it to the rehab center in time for discharge on Wednesday. Mom had another visit on her last night from the horny, senile old man. When she rang for the nurse and yelled at the guy to get out of her room, the night nurse came back with sleeping pills for mom, telling her she now needs them. Mom told her to take the pills right back where she came from. She never took sleeping pills before, so why would you start giving something sleeping, giving someone sleeping pills when they are being discharged in a day? 
If she was zonked out on the sleeping pills, the horny old man might have sexually assaulted her. A physical therapist also told mom that she is the ideal patient. She has great insurance and does not require much care and good luck getting out of there. It was just what she needed to hear as mom thought I was nuts by constantly telling her the scam these places pull to keep you there. Lesson learned, pray again, never let your guard down in these places. My mom was finally discharged. The rehab center pulled some final stunt by telling her she couldn't leave without a COVID test. You can't make this stuff up. It has been a rough couple of months for mom, medical-wise, and Bob and I now have more gray hair thanks to worrying. Mom was so thankful to be home and finally take a shower. The rehab place seems to think wiping your back with a washcloth every day is sufficient hygiene. Dear readers, my wish is that you or your loved ones never have to go to a rehab nursing home facility, but I realize this is not a realistic wish. We get old, ill, injured, and just wear down, and sometimes there are no other alternatives. If you or a loved one has to be placed in a care facility, even for a short period of time, do some research and check with your state boards and local boards of health for violations. Check reviews. If time permits, do a spontaneous visit and see how clean the place and people really are. Mom did encounter a few decent people that actually enjoyed their jobs, but most of the people are just going through the motions and the patient is a wallet. Please do everything possible to stay healthy and hug your family often, especially your mom. All right. Can you imagine going through that scenario and being so far away? Again, it was good that uh, they had Bob there as an advocate that could help out. But, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things. You know, back in the day, in, in, in older times, in better times, maybe somebody would say, family members stayed close together. I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't, le- I guess, go so far away for work and different things like that. Our modern, you know, transportation system easily is like, hey, I got a job in, in you know, this, this other state, you know, so on the other side of the country. And so family members are spread out all over the place. And I hear from people all the time who are in that situation, older preppers who like my, my family, you know, none of my families, none of my kids live close to me. And some people move to be closer to their kids. And, you know, that's something that, that people think about, but there are a lot of people out there that are on their own or, you know, they have no, like they have no surviving family members. Like we, um, we read about here in this article and so it's really it's really one of those things to consider. All right, so let's talk a little bit about prepping with an elder elderly uh, parent in mind, and what are some things to do. So uh, number one is I'm going to say you, we need to create an emergency plan together. And so you know, sit down with your elderly parent and create an emergency plan that outlines what to do in various types of emergencies. So just like we plan for emergencies and we go through some scenarios for ourselves and you might even write those things down. What am I going to do if it, you know, if there's a hurricane? What am I going to do if it floods? What am I going to do if there's a, a a collapse, right? What if what am I going to do if there's rioting and 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 you know, social uh, social collapse and, and, and all that kind of stuff uh, starts to happen. You need to do those types of things now with an elderly parent. If there's someone that you are responsible for, or someone that's going to be living with you or someone that's close by or someone that, that you, um, you care about. Right. And so now you start making this emergency plan together 
And there's going to be some that are like, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. You don't worry about me. And, 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 you know, you just, you just go do your thing and take care of your family. I'll be all right. I'll survive. I'm a survivor. I've survived all these years and all that kind of stuff. And so there might be that situation where they don't want to plan with you. Maybe they don't want to think about it. They don't want to consider the possibilities of what might happen. So in that case, you're going to have to go it alone. You're going to have to, you know, being able to bounce off somebody else. Um, and like, what would we do in this situation? I think that is, uh, that would be very, very helpful. The best thing though, would be if they would sit down with you and they have an idea. So this, this plan, this idea needs to include like how, you know, if you had to bug out for whatever reason, you know, you, maybe you had a bug out scenario for you, for yourself, for your family. But now if you're bugging out with a, uh, you know, with an elderly parent, what does that look like? It might look like getting the, you know, their, their important contact numbers and finding, having those contact numbers for their doctors and uh, their emergency services, knowing their insurance, knowing that, that type of stuff, right? Any special needs that they might have, like, do they have a, a CPAP machine at night, right? Do they, do they have other medical devices that they need that, that need to be powered, and so sitting down and talking through with, you know, uh, talking through a plan uh, about what to do in, in various emergencies would be something smart to do and really the place to start. The other thing, number two would be is stocking up on necessary supplies. So, you know, we have enough food, water, you know, we have our own, you know, over-the-counter medication and first aid supplies. But now when you bring an elderly parent into the mix, more than likely there's going to be some medications that they take. And so, you know, what kind of medications, knowing what kind of medications they take, knowing, knowing uh, exactly how much uh, of it they take and, and how they take it is going to be important. And then being able to maybe help them to stock up on that a little bit. You know, maybe you tell the doctor like, hey, instead of having, you know, uh, a 30-day supply, can I get a 90-day supply? And then you try to get that filled a little bit more often. Or if you take 30 milligrams of something, can can you give me 60 milligrams? And you start breaking those apart. And just let the doctor know. It's like, hey, I'm concerned about shortages and not having uh, enough medicine. And so can you can you can you help me out here? And some doctors will do that. Some some of them understand the shortages and the things that are up there. So you know, helping to stock up on medical supplies and and and, and have that uh, in in stock. So um, again, the the supplies and the devices that require power and thinking about a, a backup. You know, like if I have a, a you know an EcoFlow, if I have a, a Jackery, you know, will that will that work? Will that power it enough? Will that go throughout the night? Will it will it give me a couple of nights if if I can't? you know, use the, the solar panels to charge it up or, you know, what, what can I do here? How can I, how can I go about having power, enough power to be able to battery backups or whatever it might be? You need to kind of think that thing through. Another thing to consider is practice what you would do in, in an emergency situation. So a lot of the times, you know, you hear about like, Hey, turn off your, turn off your power for, uh, the weekend and see how you go and, and you know, see what, see what kind of, uh, experiences you have, you know, and, and test out your preps and all that kind of stuff. Well, the same kind of deal would be with, with your, your, your elderly parent. 
He's like, let's go ahead and go through a mock scenario. Mom, dad, we're going to act like there is an emergency happening and we're going to run through what it would look like just so that you have an idea of what you need to do and I have an idea of what I need to do. And so we're able to go get you and and bring you back to our house or we're able to do whatever is necessary, right? So going through those evacuation drills or those bug out drills or and you know maybe it's a bug out for your elderly parent. You know, they're bugging out to your house, right? Uh, or maybe you are going over there and you are getting their house situated for like a hurricane or, uh, you know, something along those lines, or maybe a big, uh, you know, blizzard winter storm event. So you got all the things that your house to do and, you know, they have their house. And the thing is like, they don't want to, and this, this article alluded to it is, uh, Oh no, I'm sorry. This article didn't, I was thinking about an article that I'm starting to write on this whole topic is, they, they want their independence. They do not want to go and, and live with, you know, uh, live with their kids. You know, if, if they're still able to get, get around and everything, they want to be able to sit in their favorite chair. They want to be able to watch TV. They want to be able to go to the kitchen whenever they want to and, and make whatever they want or go wherever they want to go. And so when you start to inhibit that, that, that takes away their, their sense of freedom. And, 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 you know, that that's a real issue for them. And so, so you want to be able to, if that's the case, if they're living on their own, what does it mean for you to get yourself ready, but then also to get them ready as well? And maybe it's a case where you know the plan that you have for them is you look, if there's a blizzard coming or if there's a hurricane coming or if there is, you know, flood coming or whatever it might be, a, a weather event, then you're going to come live with us for that time until everything gets better. And then we're going to bring you back to the house. All right. And so what does that look like? So practicing that, giving them an idea of what that might look like is a, is a great idea for you and for them. And you know, making sure that when you go through that, that they have all their mobility aids, that they have their devices that they that they need, uh, you know, the, a wheelchair if they're in a wheelchair, or a walker, and 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 all those kinds of things is like because it's really easy to forget when you're leaving in a hurry. You know, like hey, we have a winter storm coming in a couple of days, and we got to get you over here, and we got to get things ready. And then you don't want to forget something that's really important. So going through those practices, going through those drills is really important. All right. Uh, another thing you can do, I think this is number four, is uh, make sure that you have important documents close by. So we always talk about our our own emergency binders and what is important to have in there, but then they need a binder for themselves. And so maybe you can make a bind, help them make a binder, and then at the same time you can make keep a copy for yourself. Or you can bring some of their own their, their documents into your emergency binder as well. But you want to have important documents, uh, medical records, insurance policies, identification cards. Uh, you know the all the the names. We already kind of talked about this, but the names of their doctors, names of their medication. Uh, you know what kinds of uh, procedures have they had? All those different kinds of things that are really important to know. On top of okay, we're, your bank statements and your, your credit cards and and your birth certificate or your your you know all those different kinds of things, your social security card, all those different kinds of things that uh, that we normally talk about. But it just kicks it up a whole nother notch. So what kind of important documents do you need? You need to help them prepare, right? The list of medications and how, you know, we already talked about that, but the list of medications and, and how much and how often they take. 
All right. So the other thing is, uh, I guess number five is uh, one of the things that's important to do is just stay informed of what is going on. I, I recently did a small quick prepper tip on, uh, you know, prepper negativity and how some people don't even like to look at the news because it's negative and they don't like to focus on that. But ultimately prepping is a very positive thing. It's a proactive thing. So if you look, if you're looking at the news, your local situation, and you're realizing it, I'm doing this because it is a positive act because I'm staying aware of what is going on. Then you can, you, you, you know, you can get past that. Oh my gosh, it's always negative all the time, which it usually is, but stay up to date on local news. What is going on? If they live near you, but maybe it's a different neighborhood, is their neighborhood worse off than yours? Is there more crime over there? Uh, you know, what about the weather? You need to be, stay up on the weather. Uh, if there's a change, if there's a big rain event or, you know, like I said, a, a winter storm or hurricane, all those different kinds of things, you want to get ahead of that before, you know, everybody else starts panicking. And so you can be prepared for all those emergencies when you stay informed and, st- you know, get signed up for alerts if you can. If you have your your local news station or the weather, uh, your your weather app will give you alerts. Then go ahead and, and get that set up so that you can go ahead and 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 have uh, you know those extra uh, opportunities to be prepared. One of the other things that you can do is you can develop a network of support. So build relationships with neighbors and friends who can help check on your parents if you can't be there or if they live near you. But at the same time, there might be a situation where you're at work and you can't get a hold of them and you don't want to leave. I mean, this ha- this has happened to me many times where I can't get a hold of my parents and they have their cell phones off and it drives me absolutely nuts. We're trying to get a hold of them and we're calling them and they're not answering. And so I start to think, hey, do I need to drive over there? And I don't live very far away from my from my parents, but it's still, you know, it'd be like a, a a 20 minute turnaround trip, you know, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. And then, you know, probably scaring them because I'm knocking on the door in the middle of the night. But it's, you know, it's like one of those things. If you had some neighbors or you had family, other family members that were close by that could check on them, that would be great. And so that if you could develop that network of support, um, that would be really smart to do if you're not able to be there. And so thank goodness that, you know, this article that we read that Bob was available to be able to be there, you know, eyes and ears on site to be able to help out in that kind of situation. And not only that, you might have, uh, you know, other networks of people who have elderly parents who are in the kind of the same kind of situation where maybe you can, you know, medical devices, you know, or, you know, they, they don't need them anymore, or they don't need a certain walker or a wheelchair. And you're able to, you know, barter for it or, or, or buy it at a, at a better price or whatever it might be, you know, that might be something to, to kind of consider as well. Um, you need to have a backup plan, just like we have backup plans for, for ourselves. Uh, we, you need to have a backup plan for your parents and, and for supporting them and helping them. So what is that going to look like in case something goes wrong with your initial plan? What is the backup plan? 
What is the alternative for transportation, communication, and and shelter? Right. If you can't get them, uh, get them out. If you can't get to them, uh, are they able to, uh, you know, do some kind of alt- alternative plan? Uh, you know, or, or if you can't get to them, can someone else get to them? And so you need to have that kind of idea. All those things that we think about, those backup plans, Plan B, Plan C, uh, redundancies. You know, that needs a play into this part because we can have the greatest plan and one little hiccup can cause it to go awry and we need to be able to to pivot very quickly and if those plan b's or plan c's plan d you know those redundant plans if they're written down and you're able to get to those quickly that makes it even so much more helpful because if you're trying to remember, okay, what, what did we say we were going to do? You want to have these plans written down. That's going to be really important. And lastly, I want to leave you with this because I think this is really important. You need to understand if you are helping prep for your elderly parent that you can't plan for everything. There are going to be some things that you're going to miss just like in our regular, just in our own preps. There's, there's going to be some things that you miss. There's going to be some things that you, you, you didn't get right. That's one thing, you know, when we, one of the reasons why I always have people think about what kinds of things did you want during COVID? Can you remember those things that, that you wanted that you didn't have? And, you know, do you have a plan for that? And so the same kind of thing here, that's why we do the drills and we, we plan and we do all those other kind of things is we want to plan for everything, but then we also have to understand that we can't plan for everything. We're going to miss something. Something is going to happen. You're going to have that, like Hurricane Harvey, you're going to have that thousand year flood uh, like we had. And, uh, you know, we'll probably never ever see that again in our lifetimes. But that was a one time event, you know, one once in a lifetime event. So that's not something, you know, that people had on their bingo card, you know, the whole city of Houston flooding out and, and losing everything. So you just got to understand you can't plan for everything, but you need to be able to be flexible and you need to be able to adapt. And again, having preps, being able to think things through, having an idea of what needs to happen. Prepping is universal, right? But having that, having those preps, having the ability to kind of think through things and adjust and be flexible, that's what gives you the options. That's what is important. And that's why we prep. And it's important to prep for our elderly parents. They took care of you. They loved you. They cared about it. I know not everybody had the, the best experience ever, but uh, you know, if there's any kind of caring there that you have on your, on your side, on your part, then you need to be able to uh, be there for them and, and help them and prepare for them. So there's another side to this that I'm not going to go to go through in this one, and we need to explore it probably sooner rather than later. But there's a lot of people, and some of you are listening to this right now, and you're elderly as well, and you have no one that you can depend on. Or there's no one, you, your kids are so far away that if an emergency happened, they would have to fly hours to get to you, and you know there's just no way. And so that needs to be a, a thing that we talk about here in the future, but not in this episode. I think uh, we have enough for this time around, but uh, it's, it's definitely as our population, you know, the boomers, 
you know, there were so many boomers and they are getting older and older. Uh, one of the things we talked about this in a Bible study recently is you see those dialysis places popping up all over the place. And uh, there is a, a nurse who comes to our Bible study and uh, she talked about, you know, in small towns, you know, you could have a really small town and there's not a lot there, but they'll have a dialysis uh, lab where you can go and get dialysis because there's so many older people that need dialysis. Um, another thing that we see here popping up all over Houston are like elderly uh, homes, right? Elderly facilities and not like nursing homes, but places where assisted living, I guess that's the, the proper term, assisted living where, you know, an elderly person can sell their 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 house or whatever and then they can buy into this and it's a small little apartment but they have you know uh events for them they have you know a cafeteria where they go eat and all that kind of stuff and uh, i remember visiting one uh we went to to go visit someone there and it was a it was a pretty nice little facility but I'm sure it was pretty expensive. And the, the other thing is, uh, like I said, they're, they're popping up everywhere. So we have, uh, we have a generation that's getting really old. You know, they're, they're, they're up there in age. And uh, so as the need arises, you see all these facilities and all these businesses catering to them. And so that's you know, one of the things to kind of keep in mind as we, uh, as we move forward. Our parents are getting older. And uh, we, we something that we need to be thinking about. All right, so I'm belaboring the uh, the end here. Let me go ahead and close out, guys. Like always, I'm going to link to this article from Survival Blog. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. You can go check it out, and uh, uh, maybe even read the previous one there. But uh, again, I think this is a topic we need to uh, continue to look at. Well, guys, that's it for episode 787. If you found this episode valuable. I would appreciate a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you my blackout checklist to know what you should do before, during, and after the lights go out. That is that reflective piece. Like, what do I need to do after that the lights go out? And uh, so that's part of that checklist. All right, everyone, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.